Welcome to episode 46 of Scare Zone, Halloween Horror Nights podcast. Now today we are joined by our friend once again from Halloween Horror Nights, broadcasting from Universal Studios, contacted us directly through their magic of technology of a phone call. Uh, Patrick Braylord is back on the show, and now he can follow up and talk to you guys about the houses, about the experience, and about what's actually happening inside Horror Nights this season. Last time we had him on, just a few weeks ago, it was all had to be vague and kind of you know, basic promo stuff, which is great. But now a lot of us have experienced it now. The cat's out of the bag. So we were able to dive a little bit deeper into what's going on at Horror Nights. And we have a special guest coming up even after that. So take a listen. Here's our buddy, Patrick Braylord, right here on Scare Zone. Man, so we are you know, a couple weeks in now to Horror Nights. Not a couple weeks. We're almost halfway through the event now. Uh, so now can you tell us what your favorite house is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually I can. Um, I think that my favorite house as of right now is definitely Scarecrow the Reaping. Okay. Um, which is no big mystery because a lot of people are getting terrified of it. Um, I, I also, I, 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 I said it before and, and during media night, and I, I feel like a broken record by saying it, but, but honestly, I think that the, the slate of originals this year, not to take anything away from the IPs, but the slate of originals this year are by far the strongest, if not one of the strongest years we've ever put forth. I mean, I'd, I'd absolutely agree. I think uh, I said this before in previous podcasts, and my question now is even how did you do it? Is with Scarecrow, you bring up something that inherently, I mean, yes, yeah, Scarecrows are, you know, fall and Halloween. And we know Scarecrows are kind of scary. But undoubtedly, in like my recent memory, the most scared, and I don't usually get like actually terrified. I'm very much into the production side of it. If you heard, I love the way I love walking through the houses, experience everything. I genuinely get scared walking through Scarecrow. Uh, what was that process like? And what's some of your favorite moments now? I mean, you even have, I mean, it's not like they're coming at you with giant weapons or anything. No, no. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's that magical alchemy that nobody ever, you know, really, really is able to figure out until all of a sudden the guests go in and, and start reacting that way. I mean, we always we we never like to we never like to put forth a a, a concept that we don't think is going to be a success with the gas. Right. I mean, that's obviously not our intention. Right. You're um, not aiming for failure. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We're not even aiming for mediocrity. <laughs> we want to knock it out of the park. Right. But 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 to to your you bring up an interesting point is that you know or at least a, an observation the fact that we we don't necessarily know but we. We had a good feeling going in this year as far as Scarecrow was concerned, and I don't know if I can n- really nail down exactly what it is about that maze that puts people um, so off-kilter. I, 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 can, I can point to the fact that all of the Scarecrows are huge. Mm-hmm. I can point to the fact that um, Scarecrows themselves might not be scary, but the way in which our costuming and makeup team really shined this year in, in, in the looks and how, how those characters feel when you see them I think also has a lot to do with it. And, and plus, um, Charles and the house team did such an amazing job with implementing not only the room-by-room scares that we wanted to create during the concept phase, but also how they went about developing those into fully-fledged and, a, and a, a continuous barrage of scares. Yes. I that's think that's, something that's that one was, thing that, that, is, that is wonderful about Scarecrow is that it's constant. It never lets you go. 
Yeah, I think you're, I mean, obviously you're right, you helped create this thing, but that is one of the things that, that really struck me walking through it this year. And look, I've only been through every house once. I'm returning again on the 20th, but I went through the media tour. And, um, it, you know, it, people have said, you know, it's like Tomb of the Ancients, reminds me of that. But it almost reminds me somewhat of the way The Walking Dead was sort of plussed up last year, where there was just, it just was nonstop and they were on top of you and it was kept going. And it was, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I just want to say uh, thank you uh, for it. Because usually, in in the claustrophobic side of size of houses, um, typically not my favorite. Not ones I'm like, yeah, that was great. I'm usually like, eh, I felt uncomfortable, but not in the good way. Get me out of here. But this house changed my mind on that. And this house made me feel like, oh, yeah. And it kind of reminded me that Halloween Horror Nights, even as a 31-year-old, almost 32-year-old man, um, can still scare me <laughs> you know, a lot. It still hit me hard uh, because after, you know, this is my 14th, 15th year of going, um, you, know, you kind of start getting accustomed to, oh, yeah, I know a little bit what to expect. But that house, you know, totally you know, changed that for me. And I love that. I can't wait to experience it again. Now, for you, we're midway through the season. We know what you kind of do. We talked about last time leading up to it. But what is your job right now? What are, what are you primarily focused on when it comes to the event now that we are midway through October, you know, just starting October, but midway through the event? I'm sitting in a room with Charles Gray yelling at him and having him yell at me. <laughs> Elaborate. <laughs> we are, we are, um, we're, uh, we're, we're ankle deep in concept right now. I mean, we are, um, we've, we've, we had conversations and we, and we've, we've continued them since about June or July of this year, about 18 and, and where we want to take it. And, um, and right now we are heavily invested in the concept phase for next year's Mason. Okay. And, um, and, and that also leads to an interesting phenomenon uh, for us when we're walking around this year's event, because this year in our heads is already last year. Right. And, and so we, we kind of live, uh, our brains are kind of always in the future as far as what, that, what that's going to entail for our guests and the experiences that we're going to be able to bring. Um, also, there's, there's several different marquee events that we have throughout the course of the year. So all of the creative development team kind of keeps a... A, a hand into Halloween all year long while also dedicating themselves towards the holiday program or Mardi Gras or Rock the Universe or, or events like that. So do you feel like the event almost, and you said you're, you're work, it's almost like you're working in reverse in some ways that this year is last year's. Is this sort of almost the calm time and somewhat for you once the thing is there and open and happening? Um, I, I, I guess so. I think that I, some of our designers are definitely taking vacation, which they so richly deserve. Right. Um, and then uh, things will start to ramp back up for everybody November, December. But but I mean the the gas is definitely already on as far as um, as far as content for for what we want to do because the we, we we and we want that calendar to get longer. We we would appreciate the extra time um, because it, it'll it'll allow everybody the opportunity to to give their best in, in developing everything to its fullest potential. Yeah. Well, my favorite house this year, and again, I've only gone once. I know all of like the super fans out there like going after me, but guys, it's, it's hard. I'm coming down. I'm, I'm going to make my pilgrimage once again uh, at the end of next week. But you know, my favorite house first time around was Dead Waters. And that one, um, I, last year, Ghost Town was my favorite. So I feel like in some ways, uh, you know, it, I love the big sets and the giant, the, the, the vastness of sure, it. So you're a- yeah, you're a you're a you're a gothic winter's night kind of. Yeah, person. yeah, that's what okay. connects with me. And walking in and just immediately being hit with the giant 
riverboat or whatever specifically it's it was. It's unbelievable. And, and I and I encourage everyone who goes through, I know there's, you know, probably not a quarter of our listeners, but a decent amount of the kind that, you know, they try to do the close their eyes, run through, and they like getting scared, but they don't necessarily take it all in. But that's a moment, man, um, for a lot of people, I think going through this is, it, it is just, it's just intense. And it's, it, it takes you there for real. Can you give us a little bit of, of the dead water story and, and why you now obviously know the story of it, but from your point of view in guys designing this thing, now that we've all seen it, uh, going through multiple stages, whether it's the boat, whether it's to the bayou, what was that experience? Um, I, I think that uh, from as, as far as our point of view is concerned in the, in the design of that maze, it actually is something different than we had previously um, have ever done as far as the design of the, of the maze is concerned. It was really built in sections and almost in acts. So the very first act is that beautiful, amazing, fantastic facade and the setup of the entire maze where the riverboat and the, and the exterior of that riverboat leading into it kind of plays as the first act. Right. And then the second act is obviously on board the riverboat, and then the third act plays into the lair of the Voodoo Queen. And being being able to set it up in those phases allowed us to create a higher amount of density of character per act or per environment, excuse me, that allowed us the opportunity to be able to impact the guests on a higher level for a longer amount of time during the course of that um, experience. And, and that's something that we were looking forward to doing because it meant that we were able to tell the story in a different way. It wasn't just going to be like, you come into a room, you get scared by this character. Right. And I think that, I think that if, if anything, when you look at uh, Dead Waters, you look at Scarecrow, you look at Hive, or, or, or any of the other mazes this year, you, we've, we've, we've not only, um, I think, elevated our ability to be able to scare within each individual room, but also how we have the, the house flow um, is also a testament to the design team and, and the designers being able to figure out how to incorporate scares as well as story into each individual experience. Well, I don't think we could ask more from an answer like that, man, because it is, it is breathtaking. And, uh, if, if, again, if you guys could walk through this house and aren't just incredibly impressed by it, just from, like you said, from the scares, it's great. And uh, I know they mentioned us in a tour, and maybe it's something you can bring up, is that typically there's one part where you are uh, at a pretty good angle walking through this thing. And it's almost, you know, it, it, it's disorienting. It's awesome. But they said for the folks that are, have ADA or have, you know, need accessibility, that usually those areas have just a pathway. But this year, from what we've been told, is they actually still get scared. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. We've we've actually designed it so that if anybody um, if anybody decides to take the chicken run right. and go around to go around the uh, the experience of being able to have that that angled pathway, um, it, it, and and what Logan's referring to, if you haven't come to the event yet, which right. of course everybody who's listening to this most likely, <laughs> most likely, um, if you haven't though, uh, when you go into Dead Waters, you are going into the Lady Susan. Uh, which is a gigantic um, steamship that has been moored into the swamp and is sunken in. And to, in order for us to hammer that home, as you make your way into the, the riverboat, you are put on an angle and the pathway is, is up on its side. Right. And normally when we do something like that, and I think the last time that we actually used that effect was back in 2011 for the Forsaken, um, we provide a, a separate path for people to take if they, if they don't want to do that. 
And yeah, we've we've placed uh, at least one character. I'll say at least one, at least one character in that <laughs> area, so that anybody going and, and and deciding not to take that angled path does get absolutely terrified. And it's a great scare too, because I don't think they're expecting it. Um, I think they expect, okay, great, I'm going to take a little bypass and not get scared, and they're going to spend a, a moment outside the maze, and then we get them, That's which is awesome. just so much fun. That makes me want to do it that way now. Like maybe my, my <laughs> yeah, third or fourth right. run, I'll be like, can I go over there just to see what happens? Uh, and the answer is yes, you can. Yeah, yeah so maybe, maybe we'll see. I got some newbies coming with me on the 20th. Who, uh, it seems to be my new tradition now is I bring people who've never been to the event. So I, I feel like they need to experience that angle and deal with it. Oh, but, but we'll see. That's fantastic. See it through fresh eyes. I know. It's exciting. Now, when it comes to um, last time we spoke, you, we talked about how Academy of Villains to you was a sleeper hit and some of these things that pop up that maybe the audience wasn't expecting. We mentioned The Fallen at that point, and The Fallen has definitely taken you know a hold of a lot of fans, but you still feel like The Fallen maybe is the sleeper hit of this year? I love The Fallen. <laughs> Man, I, love I love that maze. Do you have to just I, tell I, people, like, look up, please? Because I feel like that's yeah, what we were getting yeah. yelled at. Like, look up, please, look up. <laughs> <laughs> look up, please, please, please. Um... I do. I think that I think that the Fallen is such a strong maze. And again, I mean, all of the mazes this year. I I, I don't look at a single maze that we've got in the entire um, slate of Halloween Horror Nights that is is doing anything less than terrifying our guests at every angle. Um, I think that the unique opportunity that we have here in Orlando to be able to provide original mazes and original stories for our guests is something that we definitely treasure. Um, and are honored to be able to, t- to take part in as far as being the creation team and, and, and working with the designers. I think that um, The Fallen is special because it is so different than all of the other mazes that we have this year. And I think that through costume design and makeup design, as well as just the architecture of this post-apocalyptic, cathedral-ish, ruined, crazy nightmare scape that we've, that we've created it's it's certainly um it's certainly something that puts a smile on my face every time i walk in it yeah what what part of that meeting was something like maybe we should have them fly was there any was there any hesitation i mean you know you've done it somewhat before we've seen it back in uh, the wolfman days on top of it but what was that decision making process like for you no there was there, there was no hesitation at all <laughs> i think that um i think that one of our designers looked across the table and said we need to have bungees in this year's event and we all went oh yeah that's a really good that's idea, good we idea. Should, put that down we should have bungees in the event and and really it was a, it was a matter of um cart coming before the horse we didn't actually have a location for where we wanted to have that that those specialty pieces um and then it was it was it just fit naturally into into the overall story of saying, okay, well, this is, this is how this story needs to finish. This is, this is how that, that house needs to, to come to fruition and, and, and how it needs to conclude. For sure. Um, but it took, it took very little time to convince <laughs> anybody. Well, did you... <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. should. We should have somebody fly. Makes sense. All right, moving on. <laughs> Put it down. Uh, when we do move over, though, some to the IP houses this year, and I want to focus mainly on the originals because that's what is at the core of Horror Nights, like you said, something that we all cared about. And I actually really loved... You know, the, the, your answer with people are like, oh, where's the icon? You're like, this whole thing is the icon. And I kind of it kind of clicked for me, I have to say. And I really appreciate uh, the way you, you answered that question. But when it goes to the IPs on our tour, they made a big deal about The Shining. And obviously, The Shining uh, is my favorite IP house of this year. And they, you know, they, they go through the process of being like, when our you know, team was creating this, they said, we're going to start it when it snows. So kind of it's, if you haven't seen the movie, 
it's where kind of all hell breaks loose. Uh, it's when things just start getting crazy. Uh, what was that decision process for you? I know I've said that a lot, but when it comes to telling a story, now that we've all been through it, we've seen that some of it is sort of uh, very literal and very specific of the movie. It's moments that we all you have to have that are in this movie. And then some points it's, uh, you know, very out there when it comes to the interpretation of it, whether the papers on the walls or the tricycles, you know, it's, it, it gets in your head a little bit. Creating something like this with such anticipation, was there even a moment where you're like, well, maybe we should do the first third of this house just silent, uh, <laughs> where no one says anything? Because that movie, you're right, that last half hour lends itself to this, but you still want to tackle that whole story. Yeah, it's. Um, it, uh, I appreciate you saying that, because it, it, when, we, when we were designing it, it, it really became a, a philosophical question as far as how we wanted to develop the maze. You know, you, you can... We could have had, you know, the entire expanse of the maze to be nothing but a hedgerow that snowed, and, and you've got a guy with an axe chasing you through the entire thing. And, and I think that while that would have served jump-out scares, and I think that would have served startles, I don't think that that would have actually served the purpose of us bringing what we consider to be one of the, one of the, the benchmarks of horror in cinema to the event. Um, and I think what, what, what really hit us as far as in that conversation and what came out of it was that it, it is the overlook as the aggressor. It is certainly the, the overlook that ends up corrupting not only Jack Torrance, but also Delbert Grady, but also us. And we wanted to see us go through the, the idea of us examining or having a shining and then going through the experience of the overlook coming after us and throwing all of the different ills and evils that it had shown not only in the movie but also um it, it, to use to use what you're talking about how 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 do we figuratively show that to the guests that the overlook is coming for us and i think that um just piling on every creepy character and every environment um was 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 i guess how we did it yeah um well, I mean, the bartender yeah. scene alone, I think I was, I feel blessed <laughs> in a weird way that I hit that scene as it transitioned. And yeah. I saw the scene where he's, you know, Berman on the rocks and all. And I had just watched the movie that morning and I'd watched it many years ago as a film school kid, but I not watched it many years. So I was very fresh in my mind. And to see that moment play out and be in it was amazing. To as much as I was like, you know, I talked to my friends after, like, did you see that scene? And they're like, no. I was like, you got to go again now and slow it down because when that happens, uh, there are so many of those things that are, if you're passionate about this film or if you've just seen it, um, are more than just a push-through jump scare. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, if, you, if you watch, uh, to, get, to, to talk just the cinematic quality of that film and one of the reasons that we're passionate about it, if you if you watch the film, one of the first things that happens when they get to the Overlook and the entire family gets there, as Jack Torrance is having the meeting, setting up everything, um, you see Wendy and Danny go to the hedge maze outside. Right. But what you see is you see them running to the hedge maze outside. And from that point on, it really is a chase movie. It really is a matter of the characters being pursued by the Overlook the entire time they're in there. And what that did for us was give us the opportunity to be able to put moments like the bartender scene in Bourbon on the Rock, you know, wonderful party, isn't it? And have those moments of 
Wendy coming to the room and all the skeletons suddenly appear, which comes out of absolutely nowhere thematically or aesthetically in that film. Right. And, and which we're, we're, we're certainly thankful for because that is a really creepy mm-hmm. and, and very Horror Nights-esque moment. Or the bear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or the bear. Just creepy, creepy moments that you see. Um, which, by the way, that first costume fitting was really, really fun to attend. <laughs> I'm sure. Because um, the guy's looking at me like, I'm in a bear. <laughs> you're like, yep. Like, you know how um, hot it is out here? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's air conditioned. Oh, it's it feels fine. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, 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 it, but it gave us the opportunity. Uh, it, it gave us the opportunity, and I appreciate you, you from, the, from the bar scene really on, is the, is the opportunity for the Overlook to be chasing our guests. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. When you make a, a, a story like this, or you can say maybe The Exorcist last year, but maybe not even much, maybe even Halloween, you can say it's closer to Halloween, too. Um, do you go into this creatively assuming that the audience of Horror Nights has seen this film? Or do you look at it and go, because look, if you're a hardcore fan of The Shining, you, this pays off in every spot. If you don't know the movie, it's still going to be scary, but it maybe has moments where you're questioning what you're looking at. When it comes to the, those decision-making process for you guys, when you're deciding on an IP, especially one that's so uh, specific, it's not even like The Purge, where at least I can kind of get the idea. If I haven't seen it, I kind of have an idea of what the purge is. If you haven't seen The Shining, you don't really understand what's happening. Um, if you, or you don't really understand that movie. It's not like you, there's a one-sentence synopsis of The Shining. Uh, for you guys making those uh, calls, what's that like in putting on these things? Do you just go in and go, well, we assume this is a horror crowd. They know this movie. Well, um, yes and no. I think, that, I, think that, I think that if you're a fan of the movie, um, as we are, so when we put on something or we develop an IP, it's because we're passionate about that intellectual property and wanting to bring that story to our guests. So we obviously um, have a, a, an expectation that I think has been set over the last few years that we want to make sure that we check certain boxes as far as scenes that people want to see for individual themes. That being said, I think that... Um, that we as fans also understand that there are going to be people that are going to come through the maze that haven't seen that film or haven't seen that television show. Um, there are people that haven't seen Ash vs. Evil Dead. Uh, one of them. There are, there are people that haven't seen American Horror Story or have seen very little of it. And I think that the, the balance that we need to strike is being able to pay off those pieces and parts of that property that people are going to recognize and instantly relate to if they have seen the film and then we're just going to plain scare the people that happened. <laughs> right. And I think, that, I think that striking that balance is very important because at the end of the day, we're about scaring and making sure that we tell the story alongside those scares. And I think that um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily a worry of ours that we're not paying enough um, homage to each individual IP because we as fans automatically default to that position of wanting to make sure that not only do we make the IP happy with what we've done because it's their, it's their prized possession, but it's also a matter of us wanting to make sure that we um, are adhering to what we know or what we feel is the best possible way to tell those stories. Yeah. If, the guests, if, yeah, if the guests haven't seen it, um, then hopefully it'll give them an opportunity to say, oh, wow, I, I haven't seen The Shining, but that maze was really cool. Maybe I'll go watch the movie. 
and it will allow them the opportunity to learn more about the genre or experience more inside the genre as well. And that's how I felt about Ash vs. Evil Dead. As someone who has not seen the show, and I, um, I'm starting to get into it, I haven't gotten fully, you know, fully invested yet just based on the time since then, but I, right. what set the tone for me was the music heading into Ash vs. Evil Dead. It was something that I, I said in the walkthrough episode, I was like, if you're playing a stick song before I'm going into a house, like, I'm all in. Like, this is, this is unbelievable. Uh, number one, who, 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 number one, who ma- yeah, exactly. Just do that and it's fine. Uh, <laughs> so, number one, who made the playlist? And, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, no, um, um, all of those you're going to find as you, watch the, I'm sure. as you watch the series. All of the songs that we chose for that playlist, not only in the facade, but all the way through the entire maze, are all songs that come from that series. That's awesome. Well, I know. Yeah, they're interior of it. It's all it's all Ted Raimi, and it's 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 all uh, <laughs> it's it, it, it's all Bruce Campbell and, and that entire crew. Yeah, and when when the when Ashy Slashy the puppet, which I was unaware of until that moment, uh, showed up, <laughs> it was a great surprise. It was the it was the best. It was the best. It's like such a it's such a great moment uh, for those. It's such a great introductory house to to a lot of people. If you're taking your teenagers or something like that for the first time, that's a great house to like set the mood. It's fun. The scares are there, but they're not gonna you know they're not they're in scarecrow uh, in a good way for those that maybe don't know. And it's um it's solid. It's just so much fun. Well, no, um, you got to get going here in a second. I did want to uh, quickly address. I mean, I'm coming back the 20th, and historically, it's even known through fans that some stuff changes. Uh, we do know the Bill and Ted story. Um, one, the show is amazing. Uh, as someone who has has dedicated too much time to the Bill and Ted franchise and to this uh, and to this show, someone's been going since they were a kid. Um, you guys did an amazing job, and Jason and everyone there and the team did an amazing job wrapping this thing up. But obviously, we knew. Um, Stuff happened in the news. I don't want to get too dark and deep, but stuff had to be altered in that show. As someone who's coming back, in a, we'll say even in some things that are positively, what are some things I should look forward to if I've only been at opening night? Obviously, Academy Villains, something I still haven't really seen yet. Uh, what would you project to me? What's my not miss for my second time around now? Uh, you definitely do not want to miss the show for Academy of Villains. Yes. You want to make sure to check that out. Those are the most dedicated... Uh, fanatical, amazing, inspirational uh, beasts <laughs> that I've ever had the opportunity to work with. And, and you had a lot to do with this show this year, right? Hmm? And you had a, a good bit to do with what this show ended up being, the Academy of Villains. Yeah, um, yeah. AOV, AOV and I have worked uh, over the course of the last year to um, to to bring all of the different variations of, of, of the show to life on property. And, and, and we... Um, Getting getting the opportunity to work closely with them is something that is uh, definitely memorable, if not a, an absolute honor. Um, the uh, the rest of the the event is going to constantly shift through the course of the uh, of the experience and and during the run. As you well know, I mean, you you've, you've been coming for the last several years, so you understand that not only will we change things based on the temperament or the mood of, of pop culture that's currently going on in, in particular Bill and Ted, because we have to stay relevant week to week sure. because that's how fast things move now, but also we are an ever evolving event. Um, and so we want to make sure that if guest experiences are X and we need to, we need to make sure that we solve for that, that may mean that we change up houses or we change up shows or we change up the street program to make sure that our guests are getting the best experience possible. 
Well, I think that a great place to wrap it up is people start hitting up their second, third, some of you guys the 15th time so far through Horror Nights, some people that go every night. I wish I'm jealous of you. Uh, but, man, I look forward to seeing not only the new but also re-experience some of the stuff that I've only got to go through once. Can uh, Your team knocked it out of the park, and congratulations, because um, Horror, Horror Nights yeah. 2017 uh, – is is a roaring success and we're we're thrilled to experience it again and again so i can't, I can't wait to and, come and back I, I i appreciate it can't wait for you to come back and, and and say hey all right i'll send you my notes i'll send you everything just you know <laughs> please do please we'll do. we'll we'll do all right thanks patrick i appreciate it a lot right on logan thanks a lot See you. all right See you, buddy. obviously thanks to patrick but also thanks to ali beamer who always sets these interviews up with us she posted a picture while they were doing this interview on her Twitter, and I retweeted it from SZ Podcast, but you can follow her. She is, I'll say she's our PR person. She is someone who really helps us out each and every time if we ever need anything from Universal. She is who we go to, and she helps set these amazing interviews up. So thank you, Allie. You can follow her at Allie, A-L-I-B, like Beamer's her last name, so Allie B, and then U-O-R, Universal Orlando Resorts. You can find that on Twitter. Again, I retweeted it from the Scare Zone account. Now, we're going to mix it up. We're going to get a little different. My buddy Chris Ripley had an opportunity to sit down with Lee Wanell, who is the guy who created Saw. Pretty crazy, isn't it? I uh, I was shocked when he's like, hey, I hooked up this interview. Unfortunately, I could not be on this interview just due to scheduling conflict. But you guys are going to enjoy it. If you're a Saw fan, take a listen. Um, Lee, you're, uh, I mean, you're most famous, obviously, for the uh, the Saw franchise, and that's obviously what we're going to mostly talk about today, and I know, obviously, we haven't got much time to talk to you, you're a very busy guy, but where did the original idea and concept of uh, the Saw, of Saw come from? Well, um, Saw was something that came about because James Wan and I were frustrated. <laughs> it was born <laughs> of frustration. Maybe that bears out in the film because it's all about people being tortured to death. But we <laughs> we we were uh, quite tortured at the time ourselves. We had uh, uh, more than our fair share of mid twenties angst, mm. and and we really wanted to be filmmakers. We had met at film school, and that's where we kind of bonded over horror movies and started working together, making crappy little short films. And then when film school finished, we got the uh, great big slap in the face that the world gives you when you, when you uh, finish, finish yeah. tertiary education and mm-hmm. step into the real world. Uh, and we, we quickly discovered that the, uh, the, the real world was unforgiving and cruel <laughs> and didn't care that we wanted to be filmmakers and, and didn't want to send any, give us any money to, to do it. So, uh, after a few years of kind of making terrible little shorts and trying to, you know, write various things, we decided um, through sheer frustration, we decided to pay for a movie ourselves. We were just going to save up $10,000, whatever we could scrape together. Uh, and $10,000 would have been a fortune at, the, at that time. Yeah, right. And shoot a film on video. And so the whole idea for Saw came out of that. It was, it, it, it literally came from us sitting down and saying, what's the cheapest thing we can think of? Because we don't have any money and we're not going to have any resources. So we just need to think of a film that all takes place in one room, with two actors. And it took us a long time to come up with a, a suitable plot that we eventually came up with the idea for Saw. And the rest is history, as they say. 
I know, right. I mean, it is a you know an international global phenomenon. I mean, you've got roller coasters in Britain themed to soar now. Um, yeah, I know. I actually have not ridden that roller coaster, but um, I am uh, <laughs> I'm really chuffed that it's there. Yeah, I, it's just down the road for me. I've, I've ridden it a couple of times. It's actually really, really good. So. Nice. Um, yeah. So now, obviously, coming uh, next month, I believe we've we've got another instalment to the Saw franchise with Jigsaw. Um, what can you tell me about this? You know, uh, friends of mine directed it. Uh, the Spearig Brothers, who yeah. are Australian, um, they directed it, and they're such talented filmmakers that I, I I'm so excited for people to see this movie because what they've done visually is astounding and, and they've brought their own sensibility to it. You know, it's, it's, it's not a James Wan saw film. It's not a Darren Bowsman saw film. It's a Spearig Brothers saw film. And, and I really love that they brought their personality to it. So what, what I'm hoping is that saw fans get the saw movie they want without getting exactly what they expect. They get something a little different and they feel like they've, they've seen something fresh because, you know, it's been a while. They've taken a long break and now they're kind of, rebooting the franchise as it were so i think it would be pointless to just give audiences the same old same old yeah no definitely definitely um so touching back to um saw again with uh with halloween horror nights um and not just saw as well i mean quite a number of your films have been turned into haunted houses um i've got notes down that the first house uh that they or maze as they as they say that was created from one of your pictures was um dead silence was you uh, involved with that one yes, at all? It, no, I wasn't. It was only in Orlando. It wasn't in Los Angeles. But I, I, it's funny you mention that because last night I was watching a YouTube video of it. And really? I, I, it's so funny. Dead Silence is such a bittersweet experience because I didn't have much fun writing that film and didn't have much fun during the production of that film. But it seems to have formed its own minuscule cult following <laughs> oh, yeah. tweets from kids saying I love Dead Silence and it's it's pretty amazing to, to James and I we're happy that there are people out there that like it even though it wasn't fun for us to make and I was thinking about all this last night and I remembered that they did a maze and yeah. I thought well somebody's going to have a video of that on YouTube and sure enough they did and I was watching it and it looked like fun it kind of kind of gave me a, a, a bittersweet feeling. It's like enough time has passed now that the uh, the scars have healed and I can I can look back with something as resembling affection. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, hand on heart, I'm being absolutely honest with you, Dead Silence is my favourite house that they've ever built for Halloween Horror Nights. Really? Why is that? It, it was so detailed and it was so exacting to the original film that you literally felt that you were walking right through that picture. Wow. I mean, the video I watched on YouTube, obviously it wasn't great quality. And, um, and I, I, it was like um, night vision. So things were a little obscured, but I remember seeing, I, I saw the puppet, I saw Billy, and then I saw an actor who was playing the Donnie Wahlberg character. But did you actually walk through Mary Shaw's theater where she kept all her dolls? Uh, yes, you did. Yeah, you did. Wow, I mean that's just great. It's funny, the the film at the time I made Dead Silence, it was like a dirty word. I just I couldn't wait to be done with it because I was, you know, so miserable. It, it just wasn't a good creative experience. But 
if they resurrected that maze exactly as you saw it, mm. I would go in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, I'm going to have a word with Universal um, about that. That's I think. great that it was your favourite ever. So, so, the, so the reason it was your favourite was just the detail. Oh, the detail. They went above and beyond. I was talking to uh, James Michael Roddy, who worked on this house. Um, I don't know. Do you remember James Michael Roddy? I mean, you may have worked with him on... Yeah. 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 Well, he was uh, telling me about it, uh, the lengths they went to, watching every single scene over and over and over again, just to get it absolutely exact into the film. And it's, it, is, it was really good. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> I, you know what? After speaking to you, I'm going to get back online and watch the video again. Maybe there's a better quality video. <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen the one you, that you're on about the the like green. It's like a night visiony one. It's not great quality. No. Yeah, the night vision one. I need yeah. to find a, a better quality one. Um, so going back to Saw, uh, Saw uh, pretty much since 2009 um, has been uh, has appeared at Halloween Horror Nights a few times in in Hollywood and and Orlando. Um, was that your first experience of Halloween Horror Nights, or had you been prior to that? Uh, that was my first experience back in 2009 when they did the first Saw Maze. And it was all new to me. I mean, uh, you know, we don't celebrate Halloween in Australia. Uh, so I didn't, it's not something I grew up with. You know, I didn't grow up with trick-or-treating or, or scare mazes or anything like that. So going to Halloween Horror Nights for the first time back in 2009 was a really new experience for me. I, I, and I do remember walking into the maze, the saw maze, and the first thing I see is an actor playing me, <laughs> lying on the floor, writhing in pain and screaming. And I'm standing there looking at this doppelganger of me wearing the clothes that my character was wearing. <laughs> it was the most surreal experience. And then about 20 seconds after that surreal experience, uh, I was tapped on the shoulder by a little guy with a clipboard and asked to leave. I got kicked out of my own maze. Oh, I heard of this. I heard of this, yeah. Yeah. I, I, apparently, I interfered, uh, <laughs> in quotes, with a scare performer. And, you know, again, I'm Australian. I don't know the rules of these scare mazes. <laughs> I saw somebody I saw somebody crouching behind a curtain, and I assumed that it was safe to go through the curtain and peek at them. Um, and I remember they didn't take too kindly to that and kind of ripped the curtain closed, like, go away. <laughs> and obviously I broke some sort of rule of decorum because the next thing I know, a clipboard man is asking me to leave. I'm standing in a loading dock outside the maze. <laughs> and I, I swear to you, hand on my heart, I said to this guy, you don't understand. This, <laughs> this is my maze. I wrote this film. And he said, he said, Yes, yes, you wrote this film. I understand, sir. Let's go. <laughs> and I said, I said, I said, uh, I'm not lying. I promise you, it, this is me. This is, yeah. this is my film. You, 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 you have to let me finish this maze. You can, you can kick me out of all the other mazes, but at least let me finish this one. And somehow I managed to talk him into letting me back in. And I got to finish the saw maze. But uh, that story will stay with me forever. Oh, that I mean that that is amazing uh, that that would <laughs> would happen to you, um, but you've been I would uh, uh, hope and had better uh, times with that, and I believe have you just uh, you've just been to Halloween Horror Nights for this year, have you? Yeah, just a week ago. Yeah, I went to the opening night. You know, they do the whole red carpet or black carpet, and then you go through all the mazes, and they did The Shining this year, which is my favorite horror film. So I was pretty stoked to walk through that. Last year they did The Exorcist, which is my other favorite horror film. So 
two years in a row they've recreated these classics and they just do so well. John Murdy and his team, they they really love this. I mean, to mm. John, it's not a job, it's his passion. Oh, you know? yeah. he, he, and he starts work on the Mavis for next year, the Monday after the current run is finished. I know. You know, it's, it's, it's a year-long thing for him. And um, you, see the, you see the results. I mean, I thought the Exorcist maze last year was particularly impressive. Mm. Um, I especially love the scene where you walk through the bedroom and Reagan is levitating there on the bed and you've got the, the Exorcist and the, the priest standing over <laughs> a bed yelling at her and the sound was crashing and they had all these sound bites from the film like, the power of Christ compels you. <laughs> and the whole room just, it stank. They, they, met, they were pumping in something that smelled like hell. And um, I just remember stopping and staring at the, at the levitating girl. And you couldn't see any wires. I couldn't see, I couldn't see you know, the strings, mm. literally. And, and it just looked like someone was levitating. And I just, I was, it kind of left me awestruck. Mm. At how impressive that was and I think that might be if your favourite maze they've ever done is Dead Silence my favourite is The Exorcist I think they really went above and beyond on that one yeah it was it was a fantastic house what has been your favourite for this year at Halloween Horror Nights oof uh, I would say The Shining I mean I'm such a fan of The Shining mm. so it was it was really awesome to walk through and um, you know step into the hedge and stuff and that was really fun um and it was great to see the saw maze again. You know, they did some great saw stuff. So it was, it's just a fun experience, you know. It's, mm. it's um, something I, I never get tired of. Yeah, no, definitely. So um, going back to, say, Saw and like the other franchise you're most famous for is obviously Insidious as well, and, and both of those have been uh, houses over the years. Um, how much creative control does John Murdy and the others um, allow you and your co-creators to, to get involved with the, the, the creation of these, these houses? Well, you know, the first time they did an Insidious Maze, we were very involved. We um, we we had input. We, we told them, uh, and, you know, uh, how we wanted certain things, and they were really inclusive, and it was great. Um, this year's been an incredibly busy year, so I wasn't as involved in the creative, but definitely the last two years of the Insidious Maze, I've been involved from from the architectural stage. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to crowd them. This is what they do. This is their area of expertise. So I'm, I'm certainly not stomping in there and saying, right, everything has to be painted blue. That's the way I want it. <laughs> nah, nah. Like, I, I'm not the type of person that's going to lord over them, but I like making suggestions. And and uh, they manage to humor me and make me think that they're taking my suggestions on board. Oh, right. Oh no, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So what's uh, so what's coming up for you next? What what are you what are you currently working on? I'm working on a few things. You know, I'm working on Insidious uh, uh, Four, uh, Insidious: The Last Key. The film is called, and so I'm helping to get that film over the line and 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 get it done to the standard that the fans expect. And I've also got another sci-fi film that I directed earlier this year that I'm working on. So there's a couple of things, you know, cooking away. Hopefully, you know, people like you get to see all this stuff uh, next year. I mean, that's the thing about working on a film. It's like you toil away on something for a year that mm-hmm. no one else in the world is privy to. Um, yeah. You know, all the movies you see in theaters right now, you know, you would call them new movies like, oh, such and such film came out last week. But yeah. to the filmmakers of that particular film, it's old news. 
they're probably off somewhere making their next project. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, there's a weird kind of time shuffle that happens. So I'd say that the stuff I'm working on right now, hopefully you'll see it next year and it'll be old news to me by then. I'll be doing something else. <laughs> Well, the, the thing is, I think you must hold the record for having created the most number of uh, films that have been turned into mazes. So I'm sure that these future projects will, will more than likely end up at Halloween Horror Nights. Oh, and you know, I'm so stoked about that. Like that is such a such a treat to to you know for James and I to hold that title of people who who created the most. Um, most mazes from our films you know it's pretty incredible and to have Thor and Insidious there at the same time yeah. I can't get over it I mean <laughs> one thing one quality about myself that I never want to lose is I never get jaded or I never become complacent about anything you know uh, after all these years of living in LA and making these films I've, I've never reached a point where I look around and say oh you know this whatever yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm used to all this next like it's i remember walking along last weekend i was i was actually leaving universal studios and as i was walking out i stopped and i was staring at this giant kind of um advertisement for the mazes mm-hmm. and it was like you know, six feet tall and it, it was it, it had this huge letterhead saying you know halloween horror nights and below that it listed all the different mazes I was just looking at the two titles and I saw it insidious and it, it struck me that these are just ideas that, you know, came out of my head and landed on a <laughs> page and, you know, they were nothing and then they were something, you know. It, 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 it blew my mind in that moment that um, an idea I had was now being advertised as a scare maze. Mm. Like somehow it had manifested from nothing, from an abstraction, an idea, to a physical thing that you could touch that other people were invested in. And I, I just couldn't get over it. And, and the feeling was, like, really palpable. I, st- I stood there for five minutes until my friends got annoyed and said, let's go. Um, <laughs> and I never want to lose that feeling, and I never want to get over the fact that, uh, that people are interested in... Um, films of mine uh well lee i gotta end on by saying from our fans you know uh, we love your films and we love the houses that your films come from so please continue to keep on doing them because uh we want to see what you've got coming up oh thank you that is so nice of you to say and uh and uh i'm glad that somebody got some enjoyment out of dead silence if it, <laughs> if it had to be if it had to be someone from the uk going through a maze in orlando then i'm glad um, um, but, um, but, but I will con- definitely continue or try to continue to make films and, you know, you never know. Some of those films might end up at mazes again. I'd be, I'd be lucky if they did. Let's put it that way. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to ask Universal to bring back Dead Science because they have brought back mazes from the past. So I'm definitely going to lobby for that. Okay. Okay. You start the campaign and if you, if you start the <laughs> campaign i'll retweet it and i'll put it on twitter right right <laughs> and you're i'll on. say i'm backing this guy to get this made <laughs> you're on lee thank you very All much right, for thanks, coming mate. on scare zone thank you very much mate absolutely great to chat to you yeah all right you. that's gonna do it for this week on scare zone as always thank you everyone who's wearing your shirts out to the parks 
You have no idea how much it means to me and means to this show. I see it on Twitter and Instagram all the time. I saw it. I saw pretty much every design when we were out there in the park a couple weeks ago. I'll be back October 20th if you're going to be there. Wear your shirts. Support us. You can get those shirts, by the way, at scarezone.com. And you can check out Chris's books. Just type in Chris Ripley and uh, on Amazon or find them directly on our website on scarezone.com. And I think that is going to do it for today's show. Oh, awesome. If you are in the Orlando area next Friday on October 20th, the night I'm planning on going to Horror Night, so maybe you're like, I don't know what we do beforehand. I will be at a screening of our film, Welcome Home, Dick Van Dyke. It's a short film that I made, documentary with my team. The guy who wrote the music, Dylan, who's been on this show before, he'll be there as well because he produced the film. It's going to be 11 a.m. on Friday. I know, real primetime slot. At the Orlando Film Festival, it's 20 bucks to get in, and you get in for the whole day. So if you want to kill the day, you can go in there, just hang out and watch awesome movies all day long. You can find that at OrlandoFilmFest.com. I hope to see some of you guys out there. If not, hopefully I'll run into some of you at Horror Nights that night. Wear your shirts out there. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. As always, keep your eyes open, your ears closed, and we'll see you at Finnegan's.